0: Welcome to It's Not a Crisis. I am your host, Doran Wallach. I'm an entrepreneur, a mother of two, a wife, and a 40-something trying to figure out what is happening in this decade. Why is no one talking about it? I created this podcast to help women in their late 30s and 40s to figure out what is going on in our mind, body, soul, and life. We may laugh, we may cry, we may get frustrated, but most importantly, My goal is to make this next chapter of life positive. I'm also full of my own questions, and I'm here to go on this journey with you. So let's do it together. It's no secret that our skin is starting to age, So all those 80s and 90s days in the tanning bed, which, by the way, that was an activity my freshman year in college. I knew it was bad, but we were in Syracuse, New York, and I think it just maybe helped with seasonal effect disorder. It was completely addictive. And every time I can remember driving to the tanning booth place going, why are you doing this? You know, you know I, I grew up with a mother who taught me about skincare at such an early age. Her first piece of advice, I swear I was about 10 years old, was to always put sunscreen on my decollete. I was, I didn't even know what a decollete was. So I've always been aware, but clearly I love the sun. And um, you know, over the years, I've learned more about my skincare and SPF. Etc. But uh, you know, I've been blessed with good skin for most of my life. But in the past year, I am turning forty-four next month. Um, I've noticed the changes starting all over, not just my face. And I'm sure all of you can relate to this. And, and you know, as vain as it may sound, it's not easy to start seeing yourself change. And I, I've always told myself that I would age gracefully and naturally. Well. As my mother always says, one plans and God laughs. I love anything beauty related, and I always have, and I experiment with products. I'm very picky, um, but there's so much more that I could be doing. So today's guest is going to break it all down for us from looking our best at every decade and what to look for in beauty trends, what to avoid, much more. I have a few questions for her from our audience, so uh, it should be a lot of fun. Doris Day, MD, is a board-certified dermatologist who specializes in aesthetic dermatology in private practice in New York City and is a clinical associate professor of dermatology at NYU Langone Health. She has won awards for her work in laser research and teaching. Dr. Day is the author of three books, most recently Beyond Beautiful, and as a freelance journalist, including a host for her award-winning dermatology show on Dr. Radio on Sirius XM 110. Dr. Day regularly lectures at national and international medical and aesthetic conferences and teaches other physicians the art and techniques of soft tissue fillers, laser treatments, and rejuvenation. She is a member of national and international organizations, including the American Society of Dermatological Sur- Dermatologic Surgery, where she has served on the board of directors and has served on the medical um, advisory boards and training panels for Allerian, Galderma, and MERS, among others. Dr. Day, Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that you're here. And, um, you know, I always have a pre-interview talk with my guests and to make sure there's chemistry. And I I just hung up the phone with you, just loving you. So I'm excited that you're here today.
1: Uh, Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on with you. I've been following you and you have such an amazing energy that you just following your posts and, and seeing your work and listening to you, it actually is very inspiring for me as well. So I appreciate that.
0: Oh, that's so good! i love. I love when I can inspire. I mean, that's the whole point of doing this, right? So, absolutely to, to inspire women. So, I have to ask you a question because I know everybody asks you this: Is Doris Day your married name? No,
1: that's so <laughs> funny. Is that everyone used to ask me this, but the older I get and the younger everyone else gets, the right. love me. <laughs> So it doesn't come I just want to sing you- "Hey,
0: Sarah, Sarah" when I hear your name.
1: <laughs> I know my dad used to sing that too when I was little. Um, so yeah, no, I have immigrant parents with a sense of humor. So I was born Doris Bakshan Day, and half of my relatives still have that last name. And then my dad came to America. He was a physician, and when he was taking his boards, they just truncated his name to Bakshan Day, so I became Doris Day. And he was so proud because he was like as all-American as it gets, you know, like, as immigrants often are. And he loved being Doris Day's father so it was it was always a fun name to have and and it makes me kind of remember two things. One is I kind of have to behave because people remember the name. <laughs> and the other is that you never really anybody. Like you know, anytime I think, well, you know, like listening to your delicious beautiful introduction it sounds so nice, but then people are like, well, do you know Doris Day? And that kind of puts you right back down to size. Right, (laughs) (laughs) You never get too swollen or you, you know, you realize that it's, it's a name and the accomplishments are fine, but it's what you do for people on a daily basis. And it's what you give back that really is your legacy. It's really who you are is, is what how you affect the people around you that you're trying to help and, encourage, you know, and just get them to live their best life. Well,
0: I'm so excited that you just said that because that brings me to my very first question, which is, you know, my listeners are women in their late 30s and 40s, some early 50s. And um, before we get into the fun stuff, I think there's a psychological part to beauty that that is important that we discuss because, I, you know, I don't think... I've been to a lot of dermatologists in Manhattan, and I don't think that dermatologists take the time anymore to discuss the psychological impact of age on women. And, you know, I've seen a lot of kind of crappy dermatologists who are just about the money and and can really hurt a woman's self-esteem. Yeah, I mean, so when I was turning 40... Um, I went to this dermatologist like just in my neighborhood uh, to have a pimple injected. And um, the the 22-year-old PA who was doing it for me and her face was completely frozen from Botox. And I know she's 22 because I'll tell you why in a second. You know, I'm I'm there for the pimple. And she says, you know, I don't you don't look your age until you smile and then you look 40. (gasps) And I looked at her and I said... Okay. And I, I can't believe I did this. So I let her inject me, which I hadn't done. You know, I'd done a little Botox between my eyebrows, but that was all I'd ever done. I let her inject me. I looked so scary, so creepy. It took me three years to ever go back to a dermatologist. And oh, I was, I'm
1: so sorry. Yeah. And
0: you know what? I was also really, I was so angry with myself that I allowed myself to play into her putting that on me rather than just feeling confident with who I was and or how I looked at the time. Well you know
1: I can break this down on so many levels. So level 1 is that if you're in New York City, there's no reason to see a PA when you have board certified dermatologists who've gone through medical school and who know how to assess and how to treat. So I I I don't I do all the injections in my office. I don't allow anyone else to put a needle in anyone's face but me. And and I, I think that the injecting part is not the hard part. It's the assessment that is where the work is, right? So an artist, when he takes the brush to the paper, that's not when he's deciding what he's going to do. You look at da Vinci, you look at these other artists, they sketch, they think, they read, they ponder, they study... And when they put brush to paper, that that often doesn't take very long at all. So um, the injection part is not the complicated part. And seeing a line doesn't mean it needs to be erased. You know, it's just lines don't make people look old. Um, it's, it's attitude, it's anatomy, it's math, it's a whole bunch of things. But, you know, speaking about like when you look at yourself and walking into an office and the and the psychological side of it, that is really everything, because everything is in your head. Like life is in your head. You could put two people in the same situation. One will see it one way and one will see it differently. And the facts on the ground are exactly the same. So your perspective and your attitude is really powerful. Now, when you get down to the, the genetics of this, like how we have that attitude, some of it is hardwired into our DNA. And reading um, a book by Nancy Edcoff, and I had her on my radio show. You should have her on your show too. She's really interesting. But she wrote a book called Survival of the Prettiest. And in that book, she talks about how when you look in a mirror, it's kind of normal to look to see the flaws because that's your defense mechanism. That's when you're looking for danger on a survival level. When you look at something, you look, you don't really see beauty. You notice it, you perceive it. And eventually it it doesn't ask to be seen, but danger kind of asks to be seen. Danger gets in your face. Beauty is a little bit more subtle, or at least it should be. So when you look in the mirror at your face, you look to see irregularities, discrepancies, because it could be a sign of danger on a primitive level, right? So that's the thinking fast part. The thinking slow part is going, okay, I'm not that animalistic, genetic, hardwired thing. I can actually look and say, yeah, I have some lines, but you know what? Those are reminiscence of my smiles, or it's a sign of my beauty and authenticity, So if you take away the ability to make those emotions, to emote those movements, like to make a smile or to furrow your brows or to raise your brows, what you do is you take away the emotion or you you subdue the emotion that's connected with that expression. Because we know that emotions and expressions are connected one to the other. If you make a happy face, you can't feel quite as unhappy. If you make an angry face, you do feel angry. And you emote angry, and that becomes contagious to the next person. So, one is we see ourselves a certain way for a reason as an instinct, but we can overcome that by saying, okay, well, that's the instinct, but I actually am these other things. And two is we can control our expressions. So, when I see somebody coming in and they're furrowing and frowning at me the whole time, it's really interesting how sometimes when I ask them to make that expression so I can do an injection, They can't do it voluntarily, but they haven't stopped doing it the whole time. But then when I say, please make that expression, they literally can't do it. And that shows you how it's two different connections. Those are things that I try to help patients see and actually teach patients facial exercises that can help them redirect the energy in a more positive way. So my goal is never to erase a wrinkle, but really to understand it and then redirect the energy so that they can age younger. And in between visits, they actually they just look better. They actually feel better and life is better.
0: Oh, that's such a beautiful approach and such a rarity from a dermatologist. <laughs> it really is. I mean, I, I've i been to like, you know, I, I haven't been to you. I should and I will now. Um, you know, I've been to some of the top in New York City. And i i I, ha- I have to be honest, I'm not Overly impressed with anybody at this point. So because of the way, because of this, honestly, I, 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 you know, it's it goes just as far as somebody being able to, you know, make your face look better. But but they have to have heart and be human when they're doing it. It just, I, it's just something that I really feel strongly about.
1: Well, one of the other things that that you mentioned that I I also think is really important to do is going back to looking in the mirror and looking for danger. What I do with patients that I is really important to me for them to do is to start by seeing your beauty. So when I have a patient look in the mirror, the first thing I always say is, oh, you know, nobody wants to look in the mirror. But which I try to point out what I see as their beauty, whether it's tone, facial structure, shape or color of the eyes, where the, the way the hair frames the face. And my feeling is that we don't want to go from flawed to less flawed. We want to go from beautiful to more beautiful. And if you can't see your beauty, I can't make you beautiful. We have to see what we love about how you look and then celebrate and enhance those features and keep balance and proportion. But nobody can make you anything. You have to see it within yourself. That's where the life is in your head part comes in. And when you see yourself as that way, then I can help bring it out and I can help enhance it. But nobody can create it for you. And, and this is true with plastic surgery. I have patients who come in and feel like a facelift is going to change your life. Or if you want to even take it back to a younger age, patients who come in with acne and then they do Accutane, their skin is cleared, but they're still very unhappy. And that clear skin wasn't going to be what changed their life. So I always tell people that you're the same person. And you have to see yourself, no matter what we do, you have to know who you are and what you are and what you can be and what you have to give and what you've accomplished and what you've survived. And all of those things I can help celebrate and enhance the good parts, soften the lifestyle things that you kind of wish you could undo, like those younger years when you were tanning <laughs> that you were talking about that I was cringing as you were saying. I know, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, know. But all of those things are things we can soften, but nobody can make you anything different. And this year around COVID was really interesting that I felt this way too, is that people came in and and I I looked in the mirror and I felt like I just don't look as good. And everyone came in saying, I feel like I just don't look good this year. And that that was a real issue.
0: Well, I mean, I yes, I, I everyone feels like they aged so much the stress levels in the past year. But I, I I mean, I have to say I'm guilty of the same thing. I, you know, yeah. I, I feel like I I was actually I did a post, um, you know, a while ago, I think it was in the fall at some point, um, that I was putting on the same clothes as last year, but my face looked different. <laughs> so I looked in the mirror, and I was like, Ugh. you know, it was, it was sort of a rude awakening. But you know, I don't I don't know what, you know, what that is related to, I assume it's the stress of the year. But yes, a lot of people are, are definitely saying that.
1: And, and the thing is, is that there are things that we can do. Some people with the stress made stressful expressions and that can accelerate aging. And part of what I do is help soften it with things like Botox or Botox equivalents and sometimes fillers and laser, but also teach the opposing expressions because a muscle can only pull. It can't push right? So one muscle can only pull in one direction. And then there's an opposing muscle that can go in the opposite direction. So people know how to make certain expressions, and they tend to furrow, frown, pucker, kind of implode on themselves. And, but you can be taught to move the opposite way. And that is something that when you focus on it, you actually do age younger and better. And if you're, if you're trying to smile or move your ears back, you can't be frowning because you can only go in one direction at a time. So, there's a lot that you can do at home that is super easy and actually free that can help you make your treatments last longer and that can help you feel better and age younger.
0: Ooh, I love that. Do you do that anywhere? Do you show that anywhere online or where we could see a visual? I have it
1: on my Instagram.
0: Okay. I put the
1: videos on my Instagram, but I'll post them again. And it's on my Facebook too.
0: I love that um, you were talking about other ways to um, do things at home, you know, with your face, and and I, I want everybody to go to your Instagram and learn how to do that. And I'm gonna go learn how to do that. But since we're talking about fillers and Botox, I'm, you know, in all honesty, I've done. I, I said this before. I've done my 11 lines a couple times, and uh, the past couple times that I've had Botox, my eye has fallen down, or I get these lines above my eyebrows, and I've just, it, it, it just. I don't love it.
1: That's really important. That is such a great point. And I have people come in, patients come in, tell me about this all the time. When that happens, one thing people don't realize is that your forehead muscle, it's called the frontalis, is a big muscle. It's two big muscles in your forehead, right? One for the right side, one for the left side. And that muscle is lifting your brows up, which keeps your eyelid out of your eyes, As we age, and it doesn't have to be old age. It can even start in some people in their 20s. Some of it's genetic and it's structural. But as we age, for a lot of people, the brows start to go down and the eyelids feel heavy. So we contract the forehead muscle, the frontalis, which makes some lines in order to raise the brows. When you contract your forehead, your brows go up and your eyelids kind of come out of your eyes and your eyes feel more open. So instead of inactivating the frontalis muscle, the forehead muscle, by using a neuromodulator like Botox, Dysport, Xeomin, or Juveau, which then makes it so you can't lift that muscle, which makes your brows drop. We need to figure out why you're using that muscle. Is it bad habit? Is it because your brows are dropping? or what's going on and then actually address that source. That's why I always say, I don't chase wrinkles. I don't try to erase them. I try to understand them. And most of of the time people overdo the Botox or neuromodulator treatment for their forehead because they want the lines gone. But I haven't seen one person come in who's had forehead injections of a neuromodulator without their brows going down. Now, some people, you're a good observer, and you know how that feels. So you know that it wasn't good. But two things happen. One is one side can sometimes be different than the other. So people feel it more on one side, because one side is usually weaker. And that side, if you're injected the same way across the whole forehead, you're going to drop more on one side. The other is that Sometimes people misunderstand because they go, Oh, my lines are all gone. thats success, but they don't even pay attention to how the forehead, the brows have dropped and they actually look older. And that's, why I made this post a while back one. that was like a picture of Frankenstein and he had a smooth forehead. And I said, forehead movement is essential if you're alive. And the second is that sometimes you can achieve your goal, right? You get rid of the lines, but you defeat the purpose because you don't look better or younger you don't want to achieve your goal of getting rid of lines, I don't know, again, what's wrong with a few lines here and there or having movement and then defeating the purpose of aging faster. We're actually accelerating aging when we do Botox in that way. And when Allergan was going for the FDA approval for Botox, I'm a huge fan of the company and I use all the products from all the companies. I don't belong to any company. I, I only work for my patients and I'm, I don't have any conflict of interest with anybody or maybe a little bit with everyone because I do advisory reports. But I will never do what's wrong for the patient. And I try to advise them to be super careful about getting this FDA approval because then everyone's going to want to go out and have a super smooth forehead and I don't think that's very attractive at all. I think being, and I never, ever. No, it's, cre- oh, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. And it's a bad feeling, but, but people will go for that thinking that that's a sign of success. And what happens is when a company gets FDA approval for a product, what they have to do is they have to show a remarkable change in order to show that substantial, significant difference to get the approval. But then the product has to be marketed that way. So people come in and they go, I want to look natural, but then they come back and say, oh, but I can still move. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, that is natural. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's partly what the treatment can do and partly the patient expectations on the other side of what it should look like and what's appropriate and normal. And there's this conflict of wanting to look authentic and natural and beautiful And the conflict is also wanting to see a substantial difference. And the third conflict is wanting to know that it's going to last. So people think, well, if I do more, it'll last longer. And that may or may not be true, but you can also shave your head. You won't need to cut your hair for a long time, but that's not a good look for a really long time. (laughs) So it's really understanding that balance of going in for small adjustments over a period of time. And when I look at my patients who I've been doing this over 15, 20 years, because I was in a lot of the FDA trials, so I had access to these products super early. What I find is that they age better. And the biggest compliment that they get is, how come you look the same? How come you're 15, 20 years older and you just don't change? And that's really the compliment. But with social media, with selfies that distort how we look, people end up, always feeling a little bit dissatisfied. And there's face tuned, there's all these other things that Ugh. distort us. And it's just really sad.
0: Oh, there's this perfectionism. There's a perf- perfectionism that's just gone crazy. I mean, I, it, it's, you know, listen, I'm I'm guilty of seeing it myself. Like I, I <laughs> a lot of times I get onto my stories without makeup on and I put the filter on because it doesn't look good. But, you know, I think that it's difficult aging in this day and age. I thought it was difficult aging. And with the uh, wavy supermodels, this is much worse. <laughs> and, and, you know, I do have a lot of women around me my age who are injecting their faces too much. And there's a part of me that's going, oh, God, am I am I going to, you know, age more than they are because they're more injected now? So if you know, injectables are not for you or you're scared of surgery, you don't have the funds for whatever reason. Are there alternatives? Well, first of all, you know, financially, that's that's a whole other um, thing that that we can talk about. But are there any other alternatives for, for firming your skin right now that aren't injectables?
1: There's a couple of things. One is injectables don't have to be overdone. You can you can get a little bit at a time. And People come in sometimes and they go, do I need Botox for preventative? And some people do and some people don't. It's a matter of the doctor looking at you. So I think first and foremost is to see a board certified dermatologist who does injections regularly, right? That's number one is to be assessed by somebody who knows cosmetics, dermatology, aesthetics, and knows how to assess. Know who's doing the injections for you and what their skill set is. This is never, ever cookie cutter. And then when these products are placed properly, so there's a lot of different techniques, right? We use different ways of injecting them in, in different planes of the skin, in different parts of the face, on and off label. There's so many nuances that go into it, which you should never have to worry about. But you need to know the person who is doing it for you knows how to see those things and knows how to do it properly. And once you're optimized and everything is the way we want it to be, then The follow-ups are not very often. It's kind of like with a gas tank. you know. At some point, if it's running on empty, you gotta fill it up. And then you just have to top it off every now and then. That's how it is with the face. Once you're optimized, contoured, and the anatomy is balanced, you'll actually age more symmetrically. I have people where I do Botox because one brow is higher than the other, one eye's a little bit more open than the other. And if you do it carefully, you could actually even that out and then they age more evenly because you're weakening a muscle that's being overused and you're helping to strengthen the weaker side. So sometimes these are actually prevented in ways that help you age in a more balanced and beautiful and very authentic way. Not changing how you look, but enhancing and, and maintaining it. And then you're not aging in one dimension, So you don't just address it in one dimension. It's not just Botox and fillers. There's also devices that can go deeper and really stimulate the collagen. So starting off with where you started the podcast, it's about sun protection because 90% of how your skin ages is due to UV rays and other lifestyle things, smoking, stress, poor diet, not enough sleep. So if you can get those things balanced, Sun protection should be a super easy one. And, you know, sun protection isn't just sunscreen. Sun protection is a hat. It's sunglasses. It's physical protection with clothing, trying to stay in the shade when you can, avoiding midday sun. You need vitamin D. Take it from a supplement. It's also naturally found in food. I'm not saying don't go outdoors and don't be active. I'm outdoors all the time. I love all outdoor activities. I just do it in a smart way So go outside, enjoy the light, enjoy the sun, don't get seasonal affective disorder. All of those things are important, but be sun smart while you're doing it because aging and skin cancer. And those are things to be careful of. But those devices use either lasers, radio frequency, ultrasound, they can help tighten. There's home devices, and I don't have a lot of faith in those devices. There's ones like Face that could probably do something if you do it super consistently over a long period of time, but it's a lot of work. And I don't know too many people who are going to be that consistent as often as they need to be over enough time to really see the difference. And the LED lights, same thing. They're fine. I don't think they're so great that they're going to do enough to be worth the money and the time and the effort involved in doing them. The facial exercises we spoke about, and those are ones that I, I did post a few on my social media, my Instagram, and I think I even made a TikTok of it. I'm going to make more. And I'll keep posting them. But we had, talked really- about, we had
0: talked about TikToks on our call. It was funny because I'm trying to, I'm about to start my account too. And you're doing a great job. I I've only have
1: four so far, but I know, I'm but different. I can
0: see that you're like, you know, they're curated. Like you've really, <laughs> you've, you've put I'm some tra- time into the. I've been them.
1: watching TikToks to learn how to make TikToks. And in my mind, I have such ornate, really cool ideas. I just have to figure out how to translate that into actual
0: TikToks—it's oh, it's so overwhelming. I do too. I have ideas, but who has the time? I mean, it's, <laughs> you see people do these TikToks; they are so creative, and you just look so at them creative. like, "Where, where do you have the time to even come up with this and do it?" So, anyway, I'm I, but I'm excited that you're going to be doing more of that. Um, just to get off injectables for a little bit, women our age. So, so we're looking late thirties, forties. Tell me what you're seeing. What, what is like happening at our
1: age? <laughs> oh, well, I'm uh, I, I'm just talking to my <laughs> listeners, you. but
0: <laughs> your yeah. age. I mean look, I'd actually, do you mind saying how old you are? I'm 59 today, actually. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Oh, that's great. So, yes. I, well, I I think we're all in this together, no matter what, yes, but for my listeners age, um, which is late thirties <laughs> and forties, um, mm-hmm. how, what, what are you, what, what's kind of happening with our our skin at this stage of life? And, you know, we talked about different things that we can do. And and you had mentioned also that every decade can be our best in our pre-recording interview. I'd written that down. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: It's it is really interesting to look back and to think about what each decade was like as I now start to peek over to the other side of the number six oh. It's thirties are are hard because people realize that they're like now solid grown-ups. And I think the twenties are kind of You have a little bit of uncertainty of deciding what to do. 30s kind of move into a better decade. But in terms of aging, people start to get serious about sun protection, you know, patients who come in. And for me, 40 was the hardest year because it was legit old in my mind from having grown up. You know, as a kid, I always thought 40 was like, that's old and you might as well just call it quits. You know, (laughs) at the age of 15, that's fair, right? But then when I would see my patients and I told them I was 40, they'd be like, oh, honey, 40s are your best years. And if if you're in your 30s and even approaching 40, I will tell you, learn to see it that way because 40s are beautiful. At 40, people can still look 20. The hormonal changes haven't really kicked in so hard yet. I think the hormonal changes are the toughest in terms of aging. And I'll talk about that a very little bit. But 40s are a beautiful decade where you're young, but you are past your 20s and 30s. So you're a little bit more established in your career, maybe a little bit more established in your relationships and starting a family or kids growing up. So you have a lot more stability and you're kind of growing and building on your own strong foundation. And that makes 40s beautiful. But you're still busy and running around, not enough time for you. So I would say in your 40s, don't forget to see your beauty and look at yourself as if you're 50 looking back. Because when people look back at their 40s, they go, oh, yeah, I looked really good at my 40s. When you look at back at your high school pictures, the hairstyles have changed so much since then, always. So you're like, oh, God, who would dress that way? I mean, I was like, in, in 1980, the hairstyles, I look back and think, that looked good. <laughs> but when you look back <laughs> at 40, you're still kind of similar in a lot of ways in terms of styles and things. You, you grow into something, so you can look back and go yeah, you know, my skin did look good. I did look younger because you see the changes as you age. And and also now get really super serious about finding a dermatologist who knows aesthetics and can help guide you through those years with both sun protection and skincare products and maybe baby treatments to kind of help maintain that balance. But 40s are a beautiful beautiful decade. And then at the end of the 40s is when I think it's really important to find a good OBGYN who knows hormone replacement therapy because when you lose estrogen, you your body doesn't stop needing it just because you stop making it. And oftentimes, if you're a good candidate and your doctor can tell you hormone replacement therapy, you have to realize is a lot lower dose than hormonal contraceptive dosing. So hormone replacement is minuscule amounts of estrogen and sometimes progesterone to help you not lose collagen, not get dementia, not get osteoporosis, not get heart disease. And a lot of women are just afraid of hormone replacement. But I actually think it's malpractice for your doctor not to bring it up with you and to determine whether or not you're a good candidate. It's not something to soldier through. We actually have amazing bioidentical hormone replacement that can help you look your best into your 50s. So look forward to your 40s. I'm, I actually, I keep saying the older I get, the older, older gets. And I've moved my old age thing to about 90 now because my mom is 88 and she's still driving, walking miles and miles every day, going to the gym in so many bridge clubs and and Mahjong clubs and going out to lunch Mm -hmm. with friends. So vital. We don't, we don't have to get old. It's also a mindset, stay active, look in the mirror with kind eyes Learn to see your beauty and know that at 40, you have more than your half your life in front of you still, and you've already accomplished so much. So enjoy it. Just remember to enjoy it. Oh, I love those words. And and I'm about to see
0: somebody uh, for hormone replacement therapy for my perimenopause PMDD. And my my friend who is a makeup artist and was on the show, Michelle Spieler, said, you know, you, you need to do an episode on this because, you know, there, there's a lot of misinformation about it. She probably heard it from you because I know she I follows you. Yeah. And she said, I just started it. And I can't believe how much better so many things are for me, um, so, which gave me some hope because I, I genuinely feel hopeless a lot with with these the hormones that I'm dealing yeah, with. Yeah, that's
1: part of the hormones. Even joint aches can be part of it. You'll you'll see. You'll you'll wake up. You'll have an extra bounce in your step, and you'll realize like how powerful that estrogen is. But you have to combine it with exercise and a good diet. And I, yeah. I you know, people also underestimate the power of a good orgasm, like having sex and and. All of that affects your hormones. It affects pretty much everything. I mean, that healthy glow is not a myth. That's for real. And a lot of times I'm telling women who are either single or even married or in between wherever they are at, divorced, widowed, to get a good vibrator. Yes, because
0: my doctor said every day. I'm like every day. Who has time every day? Every day is a
1: bit excessive. <laughs> she said, she I said, get we one, we get one, we get we one for the shower.
0: shower. She told me to get a waterproof one. <laughs> I know
1: it, it really does help your hormones, and oh, women yeah. are so happy oh. when I tell them because they they kind of need permission from their doctor. It's a very strange thing—the power that you have as a physician to help your women do things that that should be should be normal, should be part of their regular understanding but men sort of get it boys kind of know how to how to take care of themselves men boys and women it's a lot harder for women to get that and they just kind of think with age they get busy they get tired they whatever they or they don't think they they should and it's really a pity but i see it in the skin i had a woman who was widowed and i told her it was about two years after and i said you know you, you need to get and she wanted to meet somebody new i said well you need to to take care of yourself first so we did some things and i told her to go get a vibrator and she just laughed and laughed and we had so much fun and then one day she came in i was like oh you got it <laughs> <I> could <talk laughs> you could kids. tell <laughs> i could tell and she was so happy she goes yeah and then she met a guy because it, it there's a certain radiance that comes and you can't You can't just do it in one dimension. Just doing injections alone or doing in-office treatments alone isn't enough. It's not just about looking better, right? It's the connection between how you look and how you feel. So sometimes people come in because they want to look as good as they feel. And sometimes they come in because they want to feel as good as I can make them look it goes both ways but you but you still have to put the effort into it there's no way to cut corners i i always feel like i need to look in the mirror of my mind's eye in the mirror of my mind's eye i look just like raquel welsh just in case you didn't know and if mm-hmm. you're listening to this that's what i look like and i learned this from watching character actors on tv where the, one minute they're impersonating you know, a president, the next they're impersonating another movie star. And when they do that impersonation, they look like that person. It's, it's so interesting how they actually look like that yeah. person. And I thought, well, if you project what you want other people to see, if you project beauty, if you project youth and energy, and in my case, Raquel Welsh, then people will kind of see you more that way. And so I always have three people I have in my head. I have Raquel Welsh for beauty. And when I walk into a room, like with my husband, with all his relatives at a party and they're all looking at us, it's Grace Kelly. So I mm. hold my posture up and I have her. And then when I want to, um, when I'm doing injections, when I'm taking care of patients and I really have to bring my A game every single time, it's Beyonce. I walk in and I see her strutting down that, that aisle going up on stage, the wind blowing in her hair, she picks up that mic the way I pick up my syringe, and she just nails it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so sometimes when I'm going into a room with a patient, my medical assistants will whisper in my ear, Beyonce. <laughs> I
0: love that. I love that. I got to start to, I feel like I, ch- I channel Oprah when I do my podcast. I ch- really? <laughs> like, what would that Oprah. do? You know sometimes you're you're not in the mood to do a podcast you know and you have to you have to bring your A game too because you have to you know it's you you have you have to do it so sometimes you have to do the little talk to yourself i'm going to start doing that more i'm going to i'm going to have a, i'm going to all different women that are going to be part and of I
1: that I have a bad day when i'm injecting cuz for that patient it's 100% yeah. so i have to be 100% every time you can have a little lull in a podcast sometimes on radio too I I find that when I go in, I'm like, "Oh my god, how am I going to get through two hours of talking today?" But once I start and warm up, all of a sudden it's over, and I'm like,
0: "How did two hours just go by so fast?" I know, and my guests make me alive. Like it just—I always feel—I feel completely different when I finish a show. I walk out with a smile and I feel relaxed, and it's so great. And speaking of which, I I know that you're limited on time, so I want to—I want to ask you a question about what—what should we be
1: avoiding?
0: at our age? Avoid class.
1: (laughs) Yeah, avoid and avoid sugar as much as you can. Sugar is just pure inflammation. So simple carbs and highly processed food, that's the devil. A lot of aging is internal. Your skin really is a powerful reflection of your overall health and well-being. And that can't be overstated how important that is. If you have a healthier diet, and you drink enough water, and you get enough sleep, I already mentioned sex, all of those things reflect in your skin and how you age. And then also being very conscious of your facial posture. Your facial posture is your resting expression, mostly. You have great control over that. People don't realize how many muscles they're using when they think that they're at rest. And as we age, we tend to implode on ourselves a bit. We tend to furrow our brows, pucker our lips, hunch our shoulders, and kind of become invisible to the outside world, and then wonder why we're invisible. So if you do that lifting of the ear exercise of pulling your ears back, it's kind of like an invisible smile where you're smiling, but your mouth isn't moving, but your ears are lifting back. You, you are more present, you feel happier, and it makes you have better overall posture, so I call it good facial posture, but it's a general postural construct that helps you be more happier and, and less invisible. And it makes you more relatable to other people. So it's something that I do all day long. When I walk into the room, I make that expression and I, it it makes you have eye contact with other people as well, which is really important, but that's important. Using the right products is really important. Some supplements, I also like vitamin D, I mentioned, I like quercetin, I like um, Duozyme. Those help with, with gut, with leaky gut, because I think that's a problem for more people than they realize, and it's super easy to address it, just trying to minimize alcohol, avoiding it for a bit, and then adding in those supplements. There are some other ones as well that I think are good. Zinc is always a good one, just 50 milligrams of the zinc picolinate. All of those can help the skin. And if you're taking vitamin D, magnesium goes well with vitamin D in terms of effect and absorption. But the rest is using peptides and growth factors topically, retinol, most people can tolerate retinol, there's so many versions of it, gentle exfoliation, and oddly enough, not overwashing. I, I like just rinsing with water in the morning and then using a gentle salicylic acid cleanser in the evening, but not overwashing. If you need to get makeup off, micellar water is helpful. And when you use micellar water, you don't wash it like it's a cleanser. You blot. You put it on a on a cosmetic pad, you know, one of those cotton pads, Uh and then just press it to the skin and lift it off and don't rub because it's really just lifting the makeup and pollution and everything else off the skin. And then you can use a gentle salicylic acid cleanser because that doesn't really disrupt the microbiome. But people do more than they need to.
0: Yeah, I agree. And listen, I think that the, the, we're all busy women. I think the the less we can do is 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 great advice. I appreciate that um, because I, I joke all the time on my stories about how my nighttime routine seems to be getting longer and longer. And <laughs> it, it sometimes you're just like yeah. God, I really don't want to do this tonight. I find that the the number one thing, well, two, I, alcohol you mentioned absolutely, and sleep and and the problem with this is I know good sleep hygiene, and so do a lot of women. However, um, as you mentioned, as we get older, our hormones come into play, our sleep gets worse. I notice that I have. Hollowness under my eyes when I don't sleep well, and you know, I, sleep is something that I have tried to work on for years, and still haven't found a full solution to. So, I'm just just my two cents. I know you mentioned it. I, I I find that it's you know, if you anything you can possibly do to figure out your sleep, I think it's hugely important in the way that your skin responds.
1: It really helps to try to go to bed at the same time every night and wake yeah. up at the same time every morning. That consistency helps. And listen to your body. I'm, I'm a really good sleeper. I always have been, but I also go to bed early and I wake up early. I know that if, if I, if I stay up past the time that my body wants to go to sleep, then I'll have a harder time going to sleep. But I can feel my body wanting to go to sleep and I will leave dinners. You know, if I'm out at meetings and things, my friends know that I almost never go to the dinners. I just have my quiet time in the room and then I just go to sleep when, when I need to go to sleep. And there's no pill, cream, treatment, laser, anything that's going to replace sleep. It's the one thing that you cannot do without. You heal when you sleep. You're, I, I feel like it's an alternative life. It's like your other life that you you don't remember when you make up, although I remember a lot of my dreams, but most people have this other life in their sleep and then they wake up and, and so much is better. You have clarity when you sleep, your brain heals. It's just the most important thing. What you have to do is give yourself permission. A lot of times when we put our head down, that's when all the noise comes up. When all of those things from the day start to pile up and there's a, a time when I get fidgety for like 10 minutes before as I unload all my thoughts and then I just go. But you have to give yourself permission for that. It could help to listen to... Um, to listen to relaxation tapes. I used to do that. I have one that just puts me out every time I, uh, this, I listen to it on planes. But you could try a relaxation tape and you listen to it and just let it lull you into sleep. Things like that and avoid blue light before bed because blue light helps regulate your circadian rhythm, but you get a lot of it off computers. So a blue light filter may help on your computer screen or your phone. The glasses,
0: I wear the glasses starting at like eight o'clock every night. I just put them on. That that actually does help a lot. And definitely yeah. avoiding, your, avoiding your phone. Uh, my issue is more that I can fall asleep. I just wake up feeling unrested like I didn't sleep. I think I'm very active in my sleep. So check that anyway, that's a whole other too. podcast I have. I have Hashimoto's disease, but um, you do. Yeah, I feel like every woman does nowadays. <laughs> I
1: know. I'm so annoyed by it. I can't get stuck on a desert island. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this was
0: so wonderful having you. I, mean, I could go. There's so much more I wanted to ask you. But can you tell everybody where they can find your books, what they're called, um, and where they can find you on social? Uh, it's pretty easy to find you with yes. your name. But. Social.
1: I kept it consistent across all of them. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It's at Dr. Doris Day at Dr. Doris Day. And then my book is called Beyond Beautiful, and it's really my philosophy of beautiful skin and how it connects from what you see on the outside to what's going on underneath. And that's available on my website and on Amazon. So that's Beyond Beautiful.
0: I'm going to read that. That That's my, that's my next read because I, I just love you and I love everything that you're saying. So I would imagine your book is just as wonderful. So... Thank you so much for coming. I'm going to come into the city and see you soon. <laughs> I look it's forward to seeing you. Time, time to get on that train. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take care. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to give yourself permission and know that you are not alone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reviews are always appreciated, and you can reach me by email at it's not a at gmail. Instagram, It's Not a Crisis podcast, and please join our Facebook group as well. Until next time, just remember, it's not a crisis.